You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. One of the more challenging parts of, of Christmas, I think all of us would agree, is uh, finding gifts for people that, you know, where those gifts are kind of unique or different, maybe items people uh, don't have, um, or, you know, maybe wouldn't buy for themselves, but they could use. And we all have people around that time of year that, you know, can be especially difficult to buy for because a lot of times they really kind of have basically everything they need. So some time ago, I I came across um, this gift that you could really probably buy for almost anybody, and it would be something that would be unique, and it would be something that most people don't even have. Most people have never even heard of this. And I'll bet you there's nobody you know that has one of these. They're called the ticker watch. Now, this is a watch that not only predicts when you will die, it actually gives you a countdown to the final seconds of life. Now, how is that for precision, right? Swedish inventor Frederick Colting created the watch that they now rightly call the death watch. Now, you fill out this questionnaire online. It's a medical history questionnaire. And then you kind of subtract your age from that. And and you get what they call your death score. And then you enter that into the ticker watch. And then the countdown and the fun begins, right? (laughs) Now, the watch is really kind of primarily, its goal is really to kind of, you know, help people get the most out of their life and really kind of cherish value of what time you kind of have left. Now, I don't know what recommendations, you know, come with the watch or suggestions that come with the watch in the event, you know, that the countdown hit zero and you're still alive. It's like, okay, what do I do now, you know? (laughs) Of course, nobody knows really, you know, when uh, or where they're going to die, but there is kind of this thought about death that kind of just increasingly comes more and more to our minds, especially the older we get, and that is, how am I going to die? You know, how is it going to happen You know, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard people when they're talking about that, they'll kind of say something like, I don't know how I'm going to die or where it's going to be. I just know I don't want to suffer. And that's why we're kind of in this series. We've been working our way through as we kind of, you know, get uh, closer and closer to Easter. We've been uh, talking about uh, what we've called the bucket list and it's whether we've written down these things, we all kind of have a bucket list of things that we would like to do or to see or to experience before we die. Now, Again, a lot of us know there's a big difference between what we should do before we die and what we had better do before we die. 
And I believe there are at least seven things that ought to be on every person's bucket list, not because they're on my bucket list, because, but because they were on Jesus's bucket list. These were things that were important for Jesus to do or to experience uh, before he died. And again, knowing he only had a few hours to live, Jesus through seven things he said as he was dying. Again, he reveals to us what should really be on our bucket list as well. In three and a half years of ministry, as he walked upon the earth, you know, Jesus showed us, you know, and he taught us how to live life, really how to live life to the fullest. In six hours now, he's teaching us how we ought to die. And this morning, we're going to kind of look at the sixth thing that he says on the cross. It's probably the shortest of anything that he says, but it is tremendously revealing. Many of you know what? At this point in the crucifixion, Jesus has been through horrific suffering before being nailed to the cross. He's hanging there on the cross. He's been there for several hours. He's very, very close to death. That much was clear to anybody who could look at him. Uh, even a, a Roman soldier was able to kind of look and to determine that the end of life was rapidly approaching for Jesus. And there at some point with almost kind of a a last gasp, there is a sound that would be very, very difficult to distinguish, to understand. There is a sound that comes from Jesus. It would probably be more like a moan that you could barely hear. And in the final seconds of his life, Jesus says this from John 19, uh, verse 30. He said, when he had received the drink, we talked about that last week, I thirst. When Jesus, after he had uh, received the drink of the vinegar, the gall, Jesus said, teleo, it is finished. One word in the Greek, teleo. Three words in the English, it is finished. For six hours, he had worked over, and now his work is over. Jesus is able to die, to leave this earth, knowing his mission had been fulfilled, his mission accomplished. In those final words, at that final moment, Jesus shares with us, again, some things that really need to be on our bucket list and things we need to make sure are done, things that we have finished before our life is finished. And first is finish your walk with God. If any of us were to die today, chances are all of us would die with some unfinished business. If the world ended today, you would see unfinished business everywhere. If you've ever visited Mount Rushmore, one of the things you would learn there is the story of one of the sculptors by the name of Gutzen Borgum. He originally planned to extend the figures of each president down to the chest area, but he died after completing the areas around the neck. Millions and millions of tourists visit there and probably never ever realize they are looking at an unfinished work of art. 
What would you leave unfinished today if today were your last day? A book half read, a letter half written, maybe a relationship not fully restored, maybe an unpaid bill or lots of unpaid bills, promises not kept. And again, the truth is one day, eventually, we're all going to leave this world with books we meant to read, places we meant to go, experiences, you know, we, we meant to have, things we intended to do. But there is one person in history who never left behind any unfinished business, and that is Jesus. From the time he was born to the time he died, he followed faithfully, meticulously, the path, the plan, the purpose that God laid out for his life. And he walked it fully and faithfully to the last step of his journey. And in the same manner for you and for me, God has laid out a path, a plan, a purpose, a mission for your life and for my life to walk in. Remember that line in Psalm 23, verse 3, where David wrote, and he, referring to God, leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God has laid out a plan. God has laid out a path for us to walk. It is a path of righteousness. It is a path that will bring honor and glory to God's name. And he wants you and I to stay on that path until that path runs its course. Now again, that that path will lead you to different places, okay? It's going to take you to unexpected places. It's going to take you places that may surprise you, places that you didn't expect to go, things you didn't expect to do, places that may, again, surprise you. But they will never be a surprise or unexpected to God, for he has a plan, a purpose, a mission for every path he takes you and I down. See, here's the thing. We always want every path we're on, we want it to lead to success, to happiness, to blessing. But sometimes, you know what? God's paths will lead us to places of sacrifice. And on occasion, sometimes those paths will lead us to places of suffering. In fact, Jesus' path was filled with suffering. So don't be surprised, don't be caught off guard if there is suffering as a part of your journey, as a part of your path as well. Jesus got through it with the help of the Father. We will get through it with the help of the Father. As Jesus hung there upon the cross, he recognized that He wasn't just suffering physically. There was kind of a social suffering that he went through. And we talked about that as he was rejected by his family, his disciples. Ultimately, when that darkness came upon the land, again, it was God saying that he too had rejected, had turned his back on Jesus 
There was the physical suffering that Jesus went through. I mean, again, just the the physical aspect of crucifixion. At that time, it was the most cruel, the most agonizing form of dying in the history of the world. There was also that spiritual suffering of bearing the sins of the whole world, of taking on the, the full wrath of God, of being separated from his heavenly father. So whether the path is smooth or the path is rocky, whether that path that God has you on is uphill or downhill, whether it's easy to bear or whether it's hard to bear, Jesus finished his walk with God on that path of righteousness. And he calls and he lived out that example so that you and I would do the same as well. One of the fascinating things about Jesus was he always walked in the right direction. He always walked in the right places. He always walked in the right way of humility, of gentleness. He always walked with, in the right kind of heart. And again, if we will just allow, if we'll trust, if we'll just surrender ourselves to the Father, he will lead us in the same ways he led Jesus. So we need to finish our walk with God. Second thing that Jesus made sure was finished and we need to make sure uh, is finished is finish the will of God for your life. When Jesus said to Leo, when he said finished, The question we may ask is, what was he referring to? What is finished? What is Jesus talking about there? In two different places, Jesus tells us in John 4, 34, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to teleo his work, to finish his work. Now, I love that that word there, and again, the, the idea of that is, is it, it's, it's not that you finish something in that it just kind of comes to an end. You know, if you've ever been in a marathon, if you've ever run a race, and you remember as you cross that finish line, the race is over. The race has been completed. It's come to an end. That's not what this word means at all. Jesus used a very, very particular word there, and it simply means that when he said to Leo, he is saying that that something has been finished, but it has been brought to perfection. So that's the idea of of Taleo is is this is finished, this is being brought to perfection. This is being brought to its fullest destiny. That is what he meant there. And that Greek word teleo there is exactly the same word that Jesus used on the cross. Jesus had one thing on his plate when he was born, and that was to do, to fulfill, to accomplish the will of his heavenly father. I'm probably dating myself when I say this, but those of you who are probably about my age will probably sit there and kind of nod your head. For me growing up, uh, in our family, we had uh, four of us. Growing up for us, going out to eat at a restaurant was a treat. And we did not, we could not afford to do it very often. So the few times that we did get to go to a restaurant, man, I mean, it was 
phenomenal. It was exciting. I mean, you just kind of, you know, when our parents would maybe tell us in the morning we were going to go out for supper at a restaurant, I mean, that's just all you thought about all day. I mean, it was just a, a huge treat to be able to go and to do that. Now, the one rule that my parents had whenever we ate, you know, particularly when we went out to a restaurant was what you order, you're going to eat. Okay, especially my dad. My, my dad was not a, a, a tough guy. He was not hard to get along with. My dad was pretty laid back, pretty easygoing. But when it came to food, when it came to eating in a restaurant, my dad had one hard, steadfast rule, and that is you are going to eat what you order. Now, my older brother learned that lesson one time the hard way. We were eating in a restaurant one time and my brother had ordered this gigantic omelet. I mean, it was filled with sausage and ham and bacon and cheese. And he also ordered this huge waffle to go with it. Now, my mom tried to talk him out of ordering that, but he was just emphatic that he could eat all of that and more. And so again, my dad looked at him and said, you order it? you are going to eat it. He said, I will, just, you know, just very adamantly. So the omelet comes and my brother's just kind of just chowing away. Well, about three quarters of the way through that omelet, I could see my brother was slowing way down. And then the waitress had kind of brought that huge waffle and kind of just set that in front of him. And I thought he was just going to lose everything looking at that thing. And so my dad looked at him at one point and said, I told you, you ordered it, you're going to eat it. And he started crying and those tears only hardened my dad's resolve. And he looked at my brother and said, if we got to sit here all night, if we got to sit here until this place closes, you are going to eat everything you ordered. Now again, my dad was never hard on us but he firmly believed you clean your plate and my brother cleaned his plate. He finished that meal. And likewise, Jesus came to do the will of the Father and he cleaned his plate. When we die, the question is, did we die finishing everything God wanted us to finish? Did we do our will or did we do God's will? God's will for us is to do his will, to live his plans, his purposes for our life before we die. Remember those words that Jesus spoke there in the garden of Gethsemane, before the guards came to arrest him, before he was led away to be crucified. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup, take this cup of wrath that, that represented the sins of the world. Take this cup of wrath from me. And he says, yet not my will, but your will be done. Jesus's will, his sole purpose was to do the will of his heavenly father, no matter how high that price may be, how steep the climb, how great the pain or suffering. The one thing that mattered to Jesus 
and needs to matter to us is we have got to finish the will of God. It was God's will for Jesus to save his people from their sins by dying for them on the cross, and Jesus did it. He completed it. I'm sure there were some who stood there who heard that word teleo when Jesus said finished and they thought it was the cry of defeat. They thought it was the admission of failure. The Pharisees thought Jesus was finished. They were saying when Jesus said it was finished, well, we don't have to put up with that Galilean troublemaker anymore. We don't have to worry about him going into the temple and disrupting things, turning over tables, running out the money changers. I'm sure when the Romans heard that word teleo, they probably thought, well, another contender to Caesar's throne has been put down, put away for good. Jesus' disciples, I'm sure when they heard that word teleo, probably thought, well, it was a good run. He did his best. He tried hard, but he just couldn't make it. They were all wrong. Jesus did not say, I am finished. He was not saying, well, there's nothing more I can do, so I guess I'll just die. No, Jesus said, Taleo, it is finished. He was saying, I've accomplished all I needed to do, and I have succeeded. I have done, I have completed the will of my heavenly Father. And the thing that we can take away from that is not one of us is on this earth. God does not intend for any of us to be failures. Everyone was put on this planet to succeed, and the way you succeed is to do the will of the Father, to live out his plans and his purposes for your life. Success is not defined by Hollywood, Wall Street, or Washington, D.C. As hard as they may try, To define success, that is not success. Success is finding, discovering, fulfilling God's plan, his purpose, his mission for your life. When Jesus said it is finished, he didn't mean he was finished because in reality, he was just getting started. Because when you finish the will of God, you'll also finish the work of God. When you fulfill his will, you will finish his work. That's the third thing Jesus did and we need to do. Just before Jesus was arrested, remember he prayed this with his disciples, his prayer in John 17, 4. He said, I, and he's saying to God the Father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing teleo the work you gave me to do. Jesus uses that same word there that he spoke there on the cross. God had given Jesus a work that only he could do, and he did it. Only Jesus could redeem us and pay for our sins. Only Jesus could satisfy the wrath of God against sin. Only Jesus could pay and save his people from their sins. Jesus successfully, completely, wholly finished the work God gave him to do. Now that Greek word there, teleo, that was a, a, a 
very, very well known. It was a very powerful word uh, in Jesus's day, and it was oftentimes used in legal circles or, or in courtrooms. And legally, it was important for this reason. If you were brought before a Roman judge back in those days and he pronounced you guilty of a crime, the judge would prescribe, he would give you the sentence and he would write out on a piece of paper something that was called the certificate of debt. On one side of that paper, the judge would write out the crime that had been committed. On the other side of that paper, he would write out the penalty that the crime in incurred. And when that person was put into prison, this certificate of debt, it was nailed above the prison door so that anybody walked by could kind of see not only what the person did, but how long their sentence was for the crime. And when this man had done his time or someone had kind of come and paid uh, his fine, his debt, the, the legal authority would kind of take that certificate of debt and they would write the word teleo over that certificate of debt and it simply meant finished. In other words, when they wrote that word teleo, they're simply saying this debt has now been paid in full. That's the meaning, that's the fullness of that word, teleo. And then they would take that certificate, roll it up, and they would give it to the prisoner. And this was the proof that he fulfilled the demands of the law. The sentence had been met, the debt was paid off, he was free to go, and he would never, ever be tried or punished for that crime again. When Jesus said to Leo on the cross, what he was saying is finished. It is done. It is paid in full. The debt of sin, every sin, past, present, future, every sin that the world owed to God was paid off, was satisfied completely at the cross. This verse is also what we would call the perfect tense in the Greek language. Now, that is significant because perfect tense speaks of an action that has been committed in the past, something that was done in the past, and there are permanent results that continue into the present and the future. So something that was done in the past, we continue to receive its benefits in the present and into the future. In other words, the present tense says this happened. The perfect tense says this happened and its effects remain fully today as well as into the future. So think of any fault, any mistake, any shortcoming, any sin you've ever committed. When you give your life to Jesus, when you give your heart to Jesus, God stamps this one word over every sin you have ever committed to Leo. It is finished. It is satisfied. It is taken care of. If on the cross Jesus paid in full to Leo, it means that it's all been taken care of. It's all been satisfied. We'll never ever have to be tried 
or punished for them again. That one word means that salvation, forgiveness, eternal life are free gifts that God will never, ever take back. He'll never, ever rescind. God is not trying to sell you forgiveness He doesn't offer forgiveness at a discount. There's no blue light special. There's no half price sale. You can't split the cost with God. There's no layaway. You can't say, God, you pay this part. I'll pay this part. There's no down payment. There's no interest. Your sins are completely forever wiped away to Leo. In the Old Testament, there was a lot of furniture. If you've ever seen pictures or you've ever been inside a reproduction of that i have it's incredible but the one thing that's very very interesting as you go into the old testament temples uh, the the tabernacle is there's no furniture there was no chair because the high priest could never sit down in the temple the reason the priest could never ever sit down was because his work was never finished There was always something more to do. There was always another sacrifice that needed to be offered. Always more blood to be shed. Always more sins to be atoned for. Another lamb. uh, Something had to be slain. And because of that, the, the priest was never able to sit down. He was never, ever able to rest. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 tells us, referring to Jesus as the high priest, he said, but when this high priest... Unlike, again, any other priest that had ever come before him. But when this high priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, guess what he did? He sat down at the right hand of the Father. He was able to rest because the one sacrifice that needed to be made that would satisfy all sins, past, present, and future, that sacrifice, when Jesus died upon the cross, that sacrifice fully, finally completed everything God required for the sins of mankind. Jesus could sit down. He could rest in that work because the work was teleo. It was finished. It was complete. I close with this story. The Olympic Games have been around for a long time. I'm sure many of us watch those whenever we have the opportunity. And I was kind of amazed to learn about one particular amazing athlete and and just an incredible athletic victory in the Olympic Games of all time. Uh, It happened uh, long before any of us were ever a thought uh, back in 564 BC, before Christ, there was a man named Archicon, and he was competing for his third consecutive championship in an event that kind of combined boxing and wrestling together. And during the match, his opponent got him in this uh, suffocating stranglehold, and in a desperate attempt to escape this chokehold, he dislocated his opponent's ankle. And in great pain, his opponent kind of released him from the the death hold and raised his hand, conceding the match. But just as his rival conceded defeat, Archicon died from asphyxiation. 
And interestingly, the judge ruled that Archicon was the winner and he became the only athletic Olympic athlete in history who ever won his event by dying. Interesting. On the cross, when Jesus hung there, was nailed there, death had Jesus kind of in a grip hold, but Jesus took the sting out of death. He took the victory out of the grave. And Jesus took all that sin and he finished it off. He satisfied the wrath of God with those words, Taleo, finished. In your bulletin this morning, there is a insert in there. It is the spiritual bucket list. So this morning, I just kind of ask you as we just enter into a time of closing, a time of communion. Again, it's going to be an opportunity for you to take the palm branches as you come up for communion, to be able, again, just to lay those at the cross. If you want to lay them uh, up here, just again, just uh, uh, all we're doing is just saying to God, I lay down, I, I sacrifice, I give my life to you. And I just ask you, as you do that, as you bring that up, as we take communion this morning, is there anything un finished in your life this morning, that if, if today were it for you, and I pray that it isn't, but if it is, is there anything you have left unfinished? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of freedom. Today is the day of forgiveness. Today is the day of surrender. If there's anything that you have got unfinished, that if you were to die, you would regret not having finished. I want you just to write that out this morning. And again, this is just a prayer to God. We're not going to look at it. You don't need to put your name on it. But it's just saying, God, before I die, I want to make sure this is completed. This is finished in my life. And then just roll that up and just stick that uh, there on the cross. Just invite the worship team to come back up and we're going to just end with the time again of just laying our palm branches here again this morning. We're welcoming the king. We're recognizing that he is the king of king, the Lord of lords this morning, that Jesus is our, our all and all as we sang about this morning. And again, as we close in worship, we want to just invite you to come and to take communion. We just simply take the cracker, dip that in the juice. Again, it's just a recognition of, of his great love for us. There's no one that loves us like God loves us. There's no one that's ever laid their lives down for us like Jesus. So this morning, if you've never ever made that commitment, you've never ever asked God to forgive you of your sins, We just invite you this morning, there are going to be people up here, born again, spirit-filled, people that love God, that love Jesus with all their heart, and they just want to pray with you this morning. They want, to, they want to pray that God's will, God's purposes, God's plans would be fulfilled in your life this morning. So I want to just invite you, if you have any need for prayer this morning, maybe you're just looking for direction. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I know what God's will for my life is. I just don't know how to get there. I don't know what God wants me to do. 
Maybe what you need this morning is wisdom. Maybe what you need this morning is courage, maybe direction. I don't know. But I can tell you, whatever you need, God wants to lead you in that path of righteousness this morning so that you can honor, you can bring glory to his name through your life, through your plan, through that purpose that God has for you this morning. So we just want to let you know there are people here. We would love to pray with you this morning. So let's just go ahead and stand. Father, we again just thank you so much for your power, your presence in this place. We recognize that when Jesus spoke that word, teleo, finished, that it's all accomplished. It's all provided. It's here this morning in all of its fullness for us. The fullness of forgiveness, the fullness of healing, the fullness of salvation, the fullness of freedom. When you said it is finished, it was just the beginning. And Father, we thank you for all that you have given. We thank you for all that Jesus has given for our salvation, for our forgiveness, for our reconciliation with you, our heavenly Father, for deliverance, for peace, for joy, for hope. It was all contained in that word, teleo. So Father, this morning, we again thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to once again give you thanks to recognize all that you have done for us through your son Jesus and we come this morning with grateful hearts we come this morning open expectant hearts in Jesus name we pray amen Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.